holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Only Thou art holy, merciful and mighty, which wert and art and evermore shalt be. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Only Thou art holy, there is none beside Thee, perfect in power and love and purity. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, who was and art and evermore shalt be. We come to you, Almighty God. We thank you, Lord, for this day that you've made. We shout the victory and hallelujah in the Lord Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we clap our hands unto you, Lord. We clap our hands and rejoice in the unspeakable joy of God. Hallelujah. You are good to us, Lord. You have been good to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've come through the fire with your children. Hallelujah. You've been with us through the flood, Lord. We bless your wonderful, matchless name, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We worship the living God. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord, to overcome every human frailty and every work of Satan, Lord, to draw nigh unto you in your house this day. For we have come into the house of the Lord for one purpose, and that is to worship the living God, to meet with you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are worthy, you alone are worthy of all our praise, all our attention, all our reverence, Lord. Hallelujah. We bow low before the living God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, He is Jehovah. Hallelujah. The God who answers by fire, He is the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be His holy name. We thank You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. We magnify You, Lord. Oh, God. The elders are clothed with white raiment in heaven. Twenty-four elders, Lord. And they have their vial full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they have their golden harps that they play upon. And they sing the song of the Lamb and the song of Moses. Thunders and lightnings and voices proceeding from the throne. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, you said, Lord. Because the judgment of God has come. But those who are the children of the day are not overtaken by the Lord as a thief in the night. For we are walking with the Lord. And we know 
that the Lord will take us up to meet him before the great tribulation. Hallelujah. There is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. He is the ark. He is our refuge. He is our vitality. He is our life. He is our strength. He is our breath. He is our joy. He is our song. Hallelujah. He is the purpose for which we live. Thank you, Lord, for stripping away all of the vanities from our lives, Lord. Hallelujah. All the idols that were drowning us in sorrow. All the deception of that serpent, the old dragon. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you've come and given us hope in a true future. Thank you, Jesus. Day and night they cease not to give thanks to the one who sits on the throne, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And we will join that heavenly chorus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, impart your strength, Lord, to every believer, everyone that believes that the living God is present amongst us. Hallelujah. Impart your grace, Lord, to everyone who's come to the presence of God. And Lord, I pray that you impart your knowledge to us, Lord, of who you are, the knowledge of the Holy One of Israel. You are the Mighty One. Every breath that we take, Lord, once we've been through the fire, once the work of the Holy Spirit has been done thoroughly, we will never take another breath for granted. Father, you know how to mend us. You know how to temper us. You know how to forge us, Lord, through every tribulation. He told us to be faithful unto death. You give us a crown of life. Thank you, Lord. You are the essence. Your love is the essence of life. You are the God who sets the people free. Hallelujah. You open the eyes of the blind. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who causes the lame to walk. Those who are also spiritually lame, wanting, frail. Lord, you are a God who is tender-hearted. You love us so much, Lord, that you are ready to forgive us of all our iniquities. You are, you are ready to invite anyone and everyone into your embrace, Lord, to become your children. Thank you, Lord. And to your own people you say, why do you spend money for what doesn't satisfy? Why do you spend your life and time and energy for that which does not profit your soul? Part with everything that is robbing your soul from that intimate communion and relationship with the living God who we will face. This world has seen tsunamis and earthquakes and all kinds of collapse. It is a tragedy for the human soul to wait for tragedy before they turn to God. 
God is in the midst of us as the one who stands in the midst of the golden lampstands, the one who has the stars in his right hand. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repentance is a word of healing. Repentance from the Most High God, it's a gift, hallelujah. It causes us to change course from going recklessly toward destruction. God opens the eyes of the blind so we can know we ought to pursue Jesus as the number one love of our lives. Hallelujah. He is the all-beautiful, all-sufficient, all-worthy Lamb of God. God has blessed us far beyond what we deserve. God has given to us far beyond what we could ever have asked or thought. And God says, if you don't bring forth fruit, I will take what I've given you and give it to a nation that will bring forth the fruits. All of the exhortations and warnings come from the love of God because He uncovers the layers of deception in our own lives so that we can allow the Spirit of God to search us through and through so we can be right with God and not waste the life that He has given us. But go full speed ahead to execute the will of the Most High God, to bring Him glory and honor. There's no other life worthy to be lived than to give God all the glory and honor by our words, by our actions, by the very meditations of our hearts. God has to put us through the fire many times before we understand that we ought to be real with God and fear Him. But blessed be the name of the Lord. His fire does not come to destroy us. His fire comes to purge us. And the people that have been purged thoroughly because they have yielded themselves not to their own wisdom, but to the wisdom of God, are able to offer a pure and perfect, pleasing sacrifice. Only such people can ever offer a pure and pleasing and perfect sacrifice that God will accept. The world and the people who are in love with this passing corrupt civilization know nothing about the splendor of the purging because God means to make us His crowns of rejoicing forevermore. Hallelujah. May the Spirit of the living God cause us to examine ourselves as we are in the presence of the Most High God. To know God means to do a work even today. Don't miss it. Hallelujah. Even today, are you ready for God's work in you? Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I came for that purpose. I came to the house of God so that I might meet with the living God so He can do a deeper work in me. Hallelujah. I want to be used by Him exclusively. Hallelujah. For that everything that we can see and things that we cannot see that are hindering God's perfect will in our lives from our attitudes to our motivations to the way of our mannerisms everything must flip to represent the Lamb of God exactly as He would do. Anything short of that is a dishonor to His great name. It's a lie. God has brought us in His midst to be such people as the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. To be among those churches to whom God wishes only to commend and never condemn. Hallelujah. Will you be part of that church? When God says, come up hither, that you would have no blemish. For that to happen, we must know the blemishes that we have. We must understand the things that we've let go and let slip in and thought they were minor things. Those are the things that cause us to become spiritually blind and deaf to the deeper things of God. May the Spirit of God give us a hunger and thirsting for God that we don't care what the world says. We don't care what even lukewarm believers say. We don't care what we feel. It's not about what we feel. It's about what God has spoken. Hallelujah. His word is a word of life. Hallelujah. His word is a word of faith. Hallelujah. His word and faith in His name causes the impotent to rise and receive strength. Hallelujah. And it's His word that has brought us to His house. God's word is imparting life. Blessed be His holy name. I will praise Him with my whole heart and offer up to Him the sacrifice of joy. I will praise Him with my whole heart and offer up the sacrifice of joy. I'll offer up the sacrifice of joy. With singing, I will praise Him. Rejoicing, I will magnify His name. His steadfast love and mercies never cease. I will offer up the sacrifice of joy. Oh, I will offer up the sacrifice of joy. I will offer up the sacrifice of joy. Oh, I will praise Him with my whole heart. And offer up to Him the sacrifice of praise. I will praise Him with my whole heart. And offer up the sacrifice of joy. I will offer up the sacrifice of joy. Give God all the praise. Hallelujah. Blessed be His holy name. Taken straight from the Word of God. 
Many, many times God says, enter into my court with singing, into my gates with praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord a new song. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The Israelites said. They're telling us, take your harp, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And their heads were hung low because of oppression. They were being oppressed. But God turned their captivity. Hallelujah. When God has turned our captivity, we are free to pray. Hallelujah. And we are people of faith. Even in the midst of the fire, the fiery trial, we choose to praise God by faith. Hallelujah. And praise will bring the presence of God. The presence of God. Heaven come down. Heaven come down in our midst today. With singing, I will praise Him. Rejoicing, I will magnify His name. His steadfast love and mercy never cease. Oh, I will offer up the sacrifice of joy. I will offer up the sacrifice of joy. God wants our sacrifice. God doesn't say, go get a lamb or a bull or turtle doves grain offering, what they used to call the meat offering. He didn't say have oblations and drink offerings. God says, offer to me the fruit of your lips. The lips must be sanctified. Oh God, burn these lips with your holy fire. Take the coals from the altar. Touch my lips. Touch my tongue. Lord, make me the bread. With praises that are holy, we must have a cry from the depths of our being to say, Lord, enough. I don't want to offer unworthy praises. Living for me and trying to praise you. It must be all pure, pleasing, and perfect for you, Lord. And I thank you for the fire. Not only the fire of the trial, but for the fire from the altar of God to touch these unclean lips. Try dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. The believer lives in two worlds. We live in the very awesome presence of God wherever we go. But we also live in this world which is full of sorrow and woe and sin. And it is up to us to declare not only by faith without works, but faith that obeys to protect these lips, with the help of God, from saying anything that will be displeasing to the Holy Spirit. Two, partner with God to protect these eyes. Every time Satan would seek to defile these eyes, with even the slightest bit of that which God abhors, to get to know God, that He is serious, 
When he wants to purge us to make a people holy and prepared for himself. The prophets were not fools. The apostles were not fools. They sought God in response to the work of the Holy Spirit. They had no time to mingle with that which God abhorred. But the midst of multitude had a double agenda. They wanted the benefit of being with God and the prosperity and the healing and the deliverance. But they also wanted to go back to Egypt and live there. God is looking for people who are truly desirous of absolute purity because the blood of Jesus is able to make you absolutely pure. Hallelujah. If you believe, otherwise you're trusting in some other blood because the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross was meant to make us holy. And as we approach the return of the Lord, there's only but a small remnant, not from the world, but from the church itself. From the church at large, all across the world, the Spirit of God has spoken over and over and over again. There will be a small remnant. God wants our hearts to freely love Him who loved us freely. So that He can endow us with power, real power from on high. Aren't you hungry for that real power? That when the devil is attacking people, that cruel oppressor is doing his wicked schemes, that he'll be afraid because you are holy and the presence of God is coming with you. And he has to flee. Hallelujah. We must come to a point where we are utterly baffled and we are desperate for the real power of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Not just a creed and some historical theology and mouthing words. Oh, we can go to God and say, Lord, I want to be truly pure so that the true power from on high can flow through me. I don't want to do or say anything, oh God, even with the slightest bit of a self-profit motive. May that be accursed out of my life. May I fear the living God. May I understand when I say fear the Lord, what it means. May I understand what it means to be holy. Because what I see today in Christendom is far removed. They have the words. They even have the nice, neat creeds and doctrines laid out. 
Faith in the heart is missing. Faith in the mind is there, but it's an empty faith. Because God is asking for faith in the heart. An experiential walking with the Lord through the fire. And refusing to leave the fire until God's work is thoroughly accomplished in us. Hallelujah. Not many people want that. And so they will be among the Laodicean church. They will think they're seeing, but they won't see. They'll think they're rich, but they're actually poor. They'll think we're clothed, fine. Finely clothed, and God will say, but you're naked spiritually. Come, buy from me gold that has been tried through the fire. I will give you the divine anointment and the ointment whereby you'll be able to see heaven. You'll be able to see God. Is this what you want? And we have to make a decision that would take us in solitude before God. And long to weep before God. We can weep when we need healing. Because it's such a discomfort. And it's such a shadow hanging over us and haunting us day and night. And Oh God, if I can be free. If my loved ones can be free. What good is it? If you get free, they get free. But no one is free from this self-centered life that's buried underneath a Christian exterior. Like a car that's been finely polished and waxed. Full of rust in the engine. God sees through and through. It ought to make us tremble before God. To the point where we say, God, if this is what is there, I humbly come to you broken, that the rust can be removed. I would be, Lord, well oiled, fine-tuned, pleasing to you from the inside out. God is looking for people who love without dissimulation, love without pretense. People who will say, Lord, I love you, but whose hearts are not far from God. People who will love fellow believers from the heart, even when it hurts. People who love the people in the world who don't know God and will choose to bless when they're being cursed. This is divine love. The holiness of God and the love of God and the faith of God is what we desire. In this day, the living God will impart spiritual blessings from heaven if we are ready. Blessed Redeemer, I pray, O oh Father in heaven, in Jesus' precious name, you would cause our hearts to be torn, Lord. 
that after two days you'll heal us, Lord. The third day. Lord, you're able to make the third day come in a single moment for us. If we are thoroughly broken before you, all the mockery of Satan, all the fleshly, worldly, carnal thoughts that come to be hostile and militate against the word that's being given now. We will know those things are very hateful to God. And we will make a choice today. Lord, one day I will fly away. I don't know the day of my departure from this life. Many, many people, many, many people unexpectedly have left this world. They have not one second longer to say, God, can you give me one more second to go back and get things right? For it is appointed for a man once to die, and then the judgment. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. God's encouragement to us today in the midst of this sobering warning is that I love you enough to tell you the absolute truth on this Sunday. In the seventh month of this year. How long will you waver and falter between two opinions? Why do you love the world still? Do I have to put you through another fire so that I can produce what I'm looking for in you because I love you, I will not leave you? But if we go to God in the middle of the night and throughout the day and have a cry from the heart, no matter who we are and what we're doing, to say, Lord, if there's one thing I want, I want you to make me holy, Lord. Because without holiness, no man will see the Lord. I want to see you. Beloved, the songs that are sung, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you, high and lifted up. They're sung from lips that number millions and out of the millions, when the Lord God, who works exactly according to the divine calendar, just like the flood came, fire will come, God says, of judgment. Thousands of years lapsed between the judgment of the flood upon the earth and the fiery judgment that's to come. The Lord Jesus is patiently waiting, but we're coming toward that end period. When we sing that kind of song, do we understand only the holy and pure will see the Lord? And the Lord's definition of holiness and purity is far removed, far removed from anything we can ever try to imagine without the help of the Holy Spirit. And God, when He was manifest in the flesh, only those people who are intimately walking with Him 
who have forsaken everything, were given the hidden meaning of the parables, not the crowd who followed. But in order for them to get the hidden manna, they had to forsake their lives, everything. Whereas today, the majority of us are not called to leave geographical location or our secular jobs. We're called to live in a state of separation, holiness unto God. That everywhere we go, we don't get defiled, but we bring the presence of God to wherever we go. Whether to the store or to the office or to the family. When we sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Who understands the meaning of those words? Oh, beloved, we must come to a point where we say, Lord, it's not the tune of the song. It's not the way it makes me feel, but it's the Spirit of God that's working in me. There's a heart cry going to God because I have forsaken everything. And I want to see God more than anyone else. Oh, hallelujah. If we would be among those intimate disciples, the Lord said, I will show you exactly what holiness means. I will teach you exactly what love means. I will teach you exactly what faith means. The church has borrowed tragically from the world, secular media, and all kinds of persuasions, and mixed it to make a, a Babylonian concept and lifestyle of holiness and love and faith, which is not going to save them. We must get to God and ask Him, Lord, what do you say holiness is? God will show you if you mean business with Him. Lord, what is love? Show me, Lord. We will get a glimpse of that lamb as it's written in Revelation. And I saw in Mount Zion a lamb as it had been slain. Love is sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's not how I feel, what I want to do, and the response I get back. Love is I lay my life down for another. Hallelujah. God will show us what faith means. Faith is trusting God and only God and giving glory to God and only God and worshiping and lifting up His name and only His name for every healing, every deliverance, every prosperity, every blessing. It comes from the hand of the Most High God, the Possessor of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And God will anoint you. Truly anoint you. You won't need to go after anointing schools all over the world. And run after the latest fad that so many people, just like the world, are running after to catch something. 
to absorb something. God will teach you at his feet. Hallelujah. The Lord will reveal to you because you allowed him to uncover every selfish motive. Wash you clean in his own blood and put his divine agape love, his utter holiness, and the faith that can truly move mountains. Hallelujah. 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 This is what I seek. Lord, this is what we seek. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for the word of God that, Lord, it would go deep into our spirits, deep into our minds, Lord, our imaginations. Lord, the things that, Lord, often we cry over, Say, Lord, I can't seem to get over this thing. I want to make progress in my walk with you. But I have this, that, and the other thing that keeps tripping me up. I choose to lay it aside in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Every weight that encumbers me on that path to the cross, to the crown, I don't want anything anymore. I want to live for God. And when we do that, it's when we forsake everything to follow Jesus truly, that His holiness, love, and faith will flow. And we will become the most productive people on the face of the earth. How? While the world is going after the profit motive, their God is money. We have heard, you cannot serve God and money. You'll hate the one and love the other, or else cleave to the one and despise the other. When we follow God... All that we need, Jesus said, money, security, peace of mind, relationships, forgiveness, healing from the wounds, everything will be taken care of by God. It's when I'm empty that I become full, hallelujah. It's when I'm low that I become high, hallelujah. I'm lifted up. But he who exalts himself will be abased. Nebuchadnezzar, spoke about his kingdom. He spoke about the majesty of all his power. That very same moment, God took away his senses and he became as a beast eating grass. And said seven times, you'll be like this. And all his officials were in shock. What has happened to the king? He was as an animal. His nails grew like bird's claws, hair all over. Absolutely became a hideous, beastly looking entity. And it's when he humbled himself and said, Lord, I'm nothing. That the very moment his reason returned and he rose up, God in his mercy to a Heathen king, he restored everything. And that man said, the Lord is God, there's no other God. Let it be known henceforth throughout all my kingdom. He is God. And he is able to bring low all who, is proud, who are proud against him. Do we have the fear of even a heathen king? And what words do we speak that are painted and tinted 
and tarnished with specks of pride. And what thoughts are running through our imaginations to build our own empire instead of building God's kingdom? God says, away with all of it. Beloved, God says, but not away with you. God says, I love you. I want to perfect you. It will only happen when you surrender everything to me. God will then endow those gifts to bring healing to multitudes. What money cannot buy, money cannot give, just like Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful in the Temple. You'll be able to tell people, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you. They said, look upon us, look here. We're going to give you something from heaven. Supernatural blessing came through two human vessels. Their multitudes were dying. They're broken. They're on the verge of suicide. And many times, no one knows about it until it's too late. If you're walking with God and you're consecrated to God, God will give you the high privilege of the revelation when nobody knows. And He will cause the situation to be navigated where you end up with that first-hand knowledge that the devil is about to snatch someone. God can use you to stop the devil. Hallelujah. Just like the Lord Jesus, who was anointed of God, and he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And there are those who spent money. They have no more money to spend for healing. There are those who have spent money and they have more money but there's not a doctor on the planet that can cure them. All they can say is I'm sorry. At that point if you really know the living God and you are walking with Him He will give you the power from on high to intervene to rebuke the spirit of death hallelujah, and bring life to that one who has no hope. When all the world is scrambling and all the impotent people who are naming the name of Christ, but they're part of a mixed multitude. They have one foot in the world and they want one foot with heaven too. God says it won't work that way. These are troubling times for all the glorious sunshine we have. Weather-wise, for all the prosperity we have, do you know? It takes a handful of wildfires to change the quality of your life. Beloved, how many of us are keenly aware it takes one small microscopic bacteria to stop us from doing all the things we wanted to do normally? Do we understand the fragility of our lives? That when we enjoy things, we are to humbly say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, help me never to boast about anything. Lord, help me to love you from the heart 
And Father, all the blessings you've given me, please teach me how to use it in your service to be blessing to people. That is real living. Not the tax write-off. Not the name in the papers. Not the award and the trophy and the recognition. They'll all end up not only in the trash. There won't be even a memory of them in eternity. So that means we have invested our emotions, our energy, our money, our talents in fool's gold. Fool's gold. We've been happy with trinkets. When God has a real treasure, whatever we do, may we have that holy desire to say, God, I want to glorify you when I play the piano. Lord, when I sing, it must be 100% for the honor of God. I'm sorry, Lord. For the thing I've made it When it's all about you All about you Oh, if there's a heart's cry Instead of the pretty song Instead of the proper Carrying of the tune and the pitch Let the heart cry be, Lord May it rise to your throne, no matter how it sounds like physically, as a pure, pleasing, and perfect sacrifice. It's a very, very profound thing to come into the presence of Almighty God and to sing these words. Shall we stand and sing these words to the Lord? God is in the house of God. God is touching all who are ready for his touch. If you don't believe, you will not have the manifest touch of God. That's for sure. Because God says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But whoever, he who comes to God must believe in Him and believe Him and that He is a, a very faithful, He's a rewarder. He will reward those who diligently seek Him. That means with all the heart, shut everything up and say, God, I need your touch today. That's why I came to your presence today. It's not a Sunday to relax and to enjoy ourselves in a social event but to meet with God who can change our lives forever. Every time we come to His presence, because that's God's heart. And He is able to deliver. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father in heaven, when the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come Longing just to bring something that's worth. Bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself 
is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, within me. The way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back. That means I drifted away. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. Let's go to the next stanza. Thank you, Lord. Oh, let the word work as you think about the very words you're singing. Because if you're singing to God, and we, we should be, God is receiving your heart with the words, King of endless worth. No one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. You sing it. We're going to sing it again. Sometimes we have to sing things more than once to really get our attention and our words begin to focus on every word so that our spirit is really one with it and it does go up to God as a pure, pleasing and perfect sacrifice. And I guarantee you, heaven will come down for you today. Jesus will touch you. Hallelujah. Because he's faithful. He said, seek and ye shall find. Hallelujah. Let's sing it again. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. When the music fades, all is stripped away. Search much deeper within, through the way things appear. Lord, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. Oh, Jesus, all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. When it's all about you, all about
you, Jesus, when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we must have our hearts prepared so that we can come properly to you, Lord, and receive your blessings. We thank you for doing a work. Oh, I bless your name. I fall down at your feet and worship you, Lord. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the Most High God. Hallelujah. We thank you. We glorify you, Lord. Father, I pray you speak to us about love. What real love is. Help us to understand and put into practice. For you said, the one who hears my words and puts it into practice, that person's house will stand strong through the flood, through the heavy winds, through the heavy rain, through the storm. Hallelujah. We thank you for your promise, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 13. Let's turn there. First Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, let's read the chapter and then focus in on the qualities of love. First Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, which means it has a tremendous amount of patience. Love is kind, which means it seeks the welfare of the other person, their happiness, their comfort. That's what kindness means. It means it's not just, I want to say a word to make you feel better superficially. No, I want to know what I can do to change your quality of living. This is divine love. You see, agape love goes deep. It's a self-sacrificial love where I am willing to be inconvenienced so that I can meet the needs of another to help them. Often we see that it's seen when you have a homeless person perhaps or one who is very weak and debilitated and they need a handout or they need a hand. And we may do this in various ways. But God says that if your motivation is not completely, Lord, I really want this person to feel your love through me. They matter. They matter. In fact, 
They matter more than I matter to me. That's God's kind of love. Love doesn't envy. When I see someone comfortable and I'm not comfortable, I don't get irritated and jealous because why can't I have what they have? Why should they have it? Envy and jealousy go together. Then it comes to the point, I wish they didn't have it. How tremendously hideous the human heart can become, even when we're smiling and kind of on the outside. You know why? Because we have adapted through life, learned how to adjust ourselves just to the right degree so no one will suspect that I'm really a mean person. They'll think I'm very loving because I'm saying the nice right words and even shelling out the dollars maybe or going out of my way, quote-unquote. But you know what? If we really care, our hearts would break when another person is inconvenienced or suffering. There's a depth to love that's far beyond what this world knows. That's why this is called divine love. Jesus Christ showed love, eternal love, not by just coming and teaching people, look, you're blind, you're going the wrong way, you, you are unable to see the road to heaven. Let me show you the road to heaven. Let me give you some principles to live by. No, he stretched out his hands and died on the cross. So the blood that flowed from his wounds in his side can transform this human heart. Give me a new spirit so I can understand this divine love that he extended to me. I can only give that which I have. So to have a law and to even tell Christians or non-Christians, you know what, there's a higher concept of love. And really, if you read the Bible, anyone can read it, you can kind of pick up that. You mean even when I give my body to be burned and give all I own to the poor, I can do all those things without love? At which point it becomes useless to me? If we just read that, without any supernatural wisdom, at once we see that this is a different kind of love. This is going very deep. It's going to the point where it actually hurts because the deeper part of me is being revealed. And you know, the one who loves God, when our hearts are revealed, we'll say, Lord, I'm not leaving you. I want to come closer to you so that your love can flow through me, Lord, and change me completely. To be a real follower of Jesus means to represent him by dying to self. Only then can I take up the cross and follow him. Because if the self is intact, there's no way I'll carry a cross. Because cross represents giving myself away so that other people can live. Not looking for any recognition whatsoever. This satisfaction is self-contained. This satisfaction comes from God's Spirit working in me. That I know in my deepest part of my heart that what I just did was absolutely sincere. God has seen it. 
and the person is helped, I'm satisfied. I don't need a thank you. I don't need an acknowledgement. Such is divine love. That's the kind of love that can suffer long, has deep patience. You know what kind of patience? It's a patience that goes further than the most patience you see in the world. There are people in the world who if you gauge them on a scale, you can readily see, you know, he's more patient than him. She's definitely more patient than her. Because both are going through the same kind of treatment, which perhaps have shocked them and has hurt them. The one is ready to call it quits and ready to take vengeance and retaliate and give that person a piece of their mind. But the other one is able to bear up under it. You know why? Because they're able to give that forbearance, which means what they owe me, or what I believe they owe me, I give them courtesy, I expect courtesy back. It's not coming back to me. But I will give them more space so that they can see my example and be blessed and grow. The whole essence is the betterment of the other person. And I will be willing to pay the price. That's divine love. So whatever patience I've known apart from God, when I come to God, it's a whole different realm. And through God, we can be like Jesus. Love doesn't envy. Love does not parade itself. That means it doesn't boast. There's no hint of boasting. There's no desire to say, look at me, look at what I've done. Doesn't anybody know? It's like a little child that gets very hurt. Nobody's acknowledging the nice dress I'm wearing to school. That's because it's a child. But when we come to the knowledge of God, we see we're not living for the applause of people. We're living to please God and to bless people. Hallelujah. It is such a deeper love. It's a heavenly love. Love is not puffed up. It's like a balloon that's inflated. We think about ego. When somebody's full of themselves. Or you can see it in some politicians. We're ready and quick to spot it. That man is full of himself. Why? Because he's going on bragging and he's so arrogant. And look at that lady. She's so vain. She's constantly looking at herself and concerned about how people think about her. It's easy to spot it in other people. But this one's for us. This is a mirror that God says, I want to bless you. I want to make you such a blessing. I want to multiply the blessings I've already given you so that people all over the place will be brought to the real love and become just like you to bless other people. It's not full of itself. Love doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't boast, and it's not arrogant. Then it says, love does not behave itself unseemly or rudely. If somebody 
holds the door for you. You know, we have a kind of radar system, every human being. And we have uh, a tracker built in. It's from the flesh, the corrupt nature. And that nature gauges, is this person worthy of the kind of courtesy that I like to show this person? And sometimes we oppress children or those who are uh, having some kind of disability. Those who are not having the nice car that we have. We quickly scan and we make a judgment that God said is abominable to Him. Do we have this still alive in us? God says get rid of it altogether because you are not walking in love if you have these things. When we recognize this, God's love will work in such a way that even the littlest one that I need to show proper courtesy to, I will do it. To the one who I may never see again, how easy it is to write them off and brush them off. I don't, he's not going to come back and find fault with me or tell anybody I know. He's not in my circle. She's not in my circle. Oh, well, I'm going to go merrily on my way. God sees that partiality. That's an abomination to God. God sees that. So God means to cleanse us. Love doesn't behave rudely. And you know, when we really want to be like the Lord, the Spirit of God would ring an alarm bell. And the closer you are to God, the louder the alarm will go off with the slightest deviation from the will of God. But when we're not walking with God, it's going to take maybe a tragedy. Maybe a tragedy before we humble ourselves. Before we say, Lord, who did I think I was anyway? I'm nothing. I'm going to start low and stay low. I'm going to esteem others better than me. And not just within my circle of friends, people who can look at my good nature and, and my traits of Christianity. No. It's going to manifest in the darkest places when nobody's looking. This is love. Does not seek its own. Profit motives, self-profit, is laid aside. In the sense, not that if you're a businessman that you shouldn't think about profit. No, we have to be responsible. The talents that God gives us, we ought to multiply them for the glory of God. But the profit motive I'm speaking of is always asking, what am I going to get out of this? So I prayed, what am I going to get, God? So I read the word today, what am I going to get? And if I don't feel anything, I get sour and I feel, what's the use? And complaining and murmuring and all of these things come. Like it happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. They wanted to go right back to Egypt where they were oppressed. But rather, have faith. A faith that works by love, it says in the epistles. I want a faith that works by love. Is not provoked. In the other versions you'll see, is not easily provoked. To clarify, because we can be provoked sometimes in the sense that we may get in a situation where we weren't intending to react that way, but 
it was the devil or the opposition being stepped up so much and from every angle hitting us and we let our guard down and we felt angry and even vengeful and bitter and we repent and God works with us. But also being provoked when we see somebody being oppressed, we may go too far in trying to get justice in the sense that we end up oppressing other people. The Spirit of God will show us all these things. And we understand God gets provoked. Over and over again, he says in the Bible, they who? He says, my own children, my own children, my own people, who I brought out of oppression, who I opened the Red Sea for and healed their diseases and gave them water in the desert, in the wilderness, gave them food from heaven. All kinds of things I did. Now what do they do? They're leaving me after seeing the miracles and going to a piece of stone, carving a face on it and bowing down to it. How would you feel as a parent if your child, your grown child, comes to you and says, I want to worship this object and I want to give more honor to this than to you as my parent. We'd be so outraged and we'd be shocked and full of grief. Why, my child, would you treat this thing as a parent? I'm your parent. Why are you bowing down to this, this object? That's not your parent. But they, the child says, but no, that's mommy to me. That's daddy. Can you imagine how God felt? No wonder he says, my own people are provoking me to jealousy. So there's a good provocation and a good jealousy, like a husband with a wife, we know about that. It can become wrong, but there's a good one, that this is my spouse. No one else can have my spouse. Not only physically, but emotionally. Hallelujah. Because God put me and my spouse together. That's a good jealousy. I will protect my spouse. I will honor the spouse. And when an intruder comes to separate me and my spouse from the affection that we should have for each other, to steal that, jealousy should rise. The person who doesn't have that kind of godly jealousy is a person who does not value the spouse at all and becomes a traitor. So there's a good jealousy. So there's a good provocation. When I see injustice, when I see God's name being blasphemed, when I see people oppressing, there's a provocation to what? Righteous and holy indignation. That this doesn't settle well with me, I'm getting upset. To be kind at that point doesn't mean I'm not going to get upset. No, that's being cruel. To be kind means I'm getting upset to the point where I want to Get justice for this person. So that's a good provocation. Not get justice from the person, from me, but get justice for that other person, from God to intervene, to relieve them of the burden. Love thinks no evil. You know what that means? It means it doesn't keep a list of grudges. Oh, what a poisonous thing. Do you remember when you used to do that? 
if you've done that? You may not write it out. Some people do. They want to write it so they never forget the hurt that they experienced. And they'll hold it against that human being. And they have a litany, a, a list of these things. And they're fine. They go to work. They take care of the house and everything. But they're carrying this bitterness. But most people don't write it down. But they have that list intact in their hearts and their minds. I remember when you did this. And every time I see you and hear your voice, I'm going to filter everything through the last thing you did to me. Imagine if God did that to us. Hallelujah, Lord, I'm going to praise you and worship you and sing the song. Wait a minute, the last thing you did to me back then. But Lord, you forgave me, I know, but I didn't forget. And so I'm going to hold this against you. You can never, ever come to my presence free. Thank God Almighty. He's so full of love. He is the most loving person. He instantly forgives. The Bible says he's a God, God who pardons iniquity. He's the one who's long-suffering more than anyone else. He has every right to expect his children to be just like him because his blood has washed us clean. His spirit is living within us. We can do this. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. Just forgive, forgive, forgive. Next, we read, does not rejoice in iniquity or evil. In other words, when somebody is uh, fighting physically, graphic example, I think, but it'll stick. And you know, okay, between the two that are fighting physically, I want this one to win. And it's not that it's a matter of self-defense. It's more of a sport. Somebody's getting hurt severely. And you're full of joy. You don't care if they get hurt. What you care about is the gamble. What you care about is the feat, that the witnessing of this. It's like watching a horror movie. You keep watching the movie over and over again. What happens? You get desensitized. You read in the papers or drive-by shooting here. You get desensitized. God save us from that. The only way we can be safe from that kind of desensitization is to go to God's presence and say, Lord, let me never become callous that I can just walk by merrily when somebody's bleeding and dying. Every time my heart should be torn. What if it was your loved one? Would you be that way? The man said, who is my neighbor, Lord? You're telling me to love my neighbor? So who's my neighbor? And he told the Good Samaritan's parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. In other words, whoever has a need, that's your neighbor. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So there's no rejoicing in evil. There's no rejoicing in that which is not good for anyone. There's no rejoicing in immorality. There's no rejoicing. I don't care what Hollywood actor it is. How many trophies or Oscars or whatever they have. And how good they look and how many people love them and how eligible they are. And all of this foolishness. When you look at Hollywood and all these things. You look at the annals of the records of human beings who have made it big. More often than not, they die miserably. Can't we see the road that they've taken? It's a false road. And yet there are people who even call themselves Christians. They idolize these things. There should not be that hypocrisy. I want to live God's way and do the truth, but I also love a lie. God says, make your choice. If you come with me, I will give you that which will never perish. I will change you from the inside out. I will bless your family. Beloved, People are looking for security for their children. 
A lot of people say, I don't know what tomorrow holds for my child. If I have witnessed so many disasters in my lifetime, unprecedented times in which I live as an adult, what's going to happen to my children? Who knows? The next plague that will break out. Who knows? The next economic collapse. And there's a worry. Will my children survive if the stock market crashes in an unprecedented way? Will my children survive if a plague breaks out and they don't have enough money to jump on a plane and leave that scene? Will my children survive if they end up marrying the wrong person? How can I guarantee security for my most beloved children? You know what the Lord says? The Lord says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everything you need will be added to you. God says, Those who forget my law, His word, He said, I will also forget your children. Because you know what forgetting God's law means? It's saying to God, I don't need you. I don't believe you exist. I don't need you. I'm my own God. I have no time for religion. You know what? There's enough guilt and shame that people have received from the name of religion. I don't want any more of it. Maybe some here have experienced that. That religion was not from God. How could it be when God is love? That's an imposter selling his fake goods. But the real loving God says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll not only find me, I will give you a hope and a future. I will take care of your children. We can live a life, you know, there are people who, they're very upbeat. You just see them, they're, they're always cheerful. They don't even believe in God. And you think, how can they be so happy all the time? You know how? They're living in a bubble that will burst in a matter of time. In other words, I'm not going to be down. Hey, when the going gets rough, the tough get going. When it becomes hard, I'm going to keep pursuing my dreams, my goals. But you know what? That one bacteria can cause the person to be on a ventilator. None of those assets will do anything. All the buddies that they golfed with and those businessmen and tycoons that they went to different uh, luxurious resorts and they can bring back the pictures and the keychain. I've been to this island, that island. One bacteria can level them. That's the horror. At that moment when they're isolated, not even their loved ones can come and see them. We've seen that recently. I have my family with me. I don't care if I lose my riches. I don't care if there's a global crisis. As long as my family's with me, I've got you, you've got me. Everything's fine. What happens when disease or violence or death parts you and your loved one? You know what? That's the point at which a lot of people wake up. Thank God at least they wake up then. They understand everything I thought was concrete 
because I'm healthy. The doctor says my numbers are good. My blood pressure is on point. All the counts are proper in my blood. And you know what? The doctor laughed and he said, you probably live to be 100. And I felt really good about it. And I went out of the doctor's office and I thought, you know what? I can do whatever I want for another so many years. But is the doctor God? Only God knows. While we have our faculties, we ought to say, Lord, I want to live a life of love. It rejoices in the truth. What you're hearing right now is the truth. So when we gravitate toward God, we understand. So this is what life is. It's a pattern in a cycle. You look at people in the 1800s or 300 BC. They may have different ways of living economically and socially and culturally, but it's very much the same human existence. You know what it is? I get born into this world. Somebody takes care of me. Hopefully I get an education or an apprenticeship somewhere. I learn to make money and do for myself. Uh, I get married and I like to have children too. And I, I work my way up in my career. And now I have more assets. And I can move the pieces. I have power. And you know what? One day I know death will come. But I'm not wasting my time thinking about death. I'm going to live life while I have life. The Bible says, this life is very, very transient, very temporal. Eternity is the big picture. So where you're going to live forever should occupy your hearts and minds. And to prepare for an eternity with God and not away from Him in darkness is to make sure that I come near Him. You know what the Lord says? Beautiful promise. He says, draw near to me. Come on. I will draw near to you. God says, I will fellowship with you. I will show you what life is. You want to know what success is? Success is having a place in heaven. Success is knowing the God of love. Success is having a guarantee from the Lord God Almighty who created all things that He will take care of me and my family no matter what. That's success. We can't find it anywhere. This love causes us to believe the truth. So always remember, love and truth go together. Let's go to the next verse, please. Love bears all things under that burden. Going through a rough time in my life, when God's love captures my imagination, my heart, I'm able to know that God is going to get me out of this. Hallelujah. No matter what, He's going to see me through. I believe. He believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Now you see, bears all things. Patience before that. And then endures. There are different nuances there. The first patience that we read about, love is long-suffering or patient. And is kind, because we see the word kind right after that patience, that word patience, we know that it's talking about relationships. That in every relationship, if I have not been kind to people beginning with my own family, 
and all the way to the stranger, I'm plainly declaring I don't know God. Because the Bible says in the epistle of John, whoever claims to know God and does not love his brother is in darkness, doesn't know where he's going, he's stumbling. So when I'm loving and kind, I'm showing that I'm a child of the king. His spirit is living within me and working. So that first word, patient, is is talking about relationally. When you see the word bear or bears up, when you see endures, these are talking about the trials of life also. These are talking about the heavy opposition that comes to me and my family. That with God's love, I know because I'm obedient to Him, He will see me through. So you see how faith and love work together? God says, you need to have a faith, not blind faith, faith can see. Faith can see. It sees God and that's why it can keep going. Faith can see and that's why faith causes a person to praise God, even when things are opposite, in the very midst of the fire. Faith that works by love. Faith hopes endures all things. And then finally it says, love never fails. So, when we think about love, in this world, love is something physical. Even if it's not something intimately physical, it has to do with touch, a handshake maybe, arm around the shoulder. And then we may think about love as what you can do for me. If you love me, you'll give me money. Right? Sometimes children do that with their parents. If you love me, you'll give me what I want. If you love me, you'll do this. And we can make demands, but love makes no demands. The love that the world knows is very different. Love is in the air. What is it? Some kind of romantic, very fleeting concept of feeling and emotion but the love from God demonstrates by action through self-sacrifice it's a solid love that will stand the test of time without love I am nothing that means if I don't have God's love working in my life not just at the receiving end everybody likes to get from God God I need this I need that would you give me more love What kind of love do you want? The kind of love that makes me feel good, Lord, that you care about me. That's good. God will do that. But we also need the kind of love where, Lord, I want your love to work in and through me to other people. Otherwise, I'm still selfish. I don't know God. If we want to know God, we need to say, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. This is love that when two people get married... It becomes a beautiful relationship that causes them to enter into that covenant. Notice, it is a covenant. It's something that they have obligated themselves freely. No one's forced them to do it. To reserve their lives, their bodies, their interests, all the desires completely to the other person under God. That's the kind of love that God gives to people who get married who believe in Him. The other kind of love is, sign on the dotted line, 
that if things don't work out, I'll have what I need and you have what you need. Bye-bye. That is not love. That's not even love ready for a failure. It has failed even before it began. Love is something that hopes and believes God is going to bless this marriage even when there are difficult times. Jesus remains the glue that keeps us together and continues to work in us to make us better and more loving to each other. That's love. That's the kind of love we celebrate. As we're going to hear some vows from a couple here today with us. It's a very, very special time because it's a moment in which they have, by faith, with all the hurdles and the assaults from the devil on their lives through their marriage, by faith they have stepped forward because of Jesus. And they're going to make a statement of commitment and renew the covenant with each other in God's presence and in the presence of God's people. And you know what God's going to do? He will most assuredly impart a supernatural blessing for both of them where they will actually accelerate in the growth and divine love. And their marriage will be something of a beautiful example for many, many other marriages that are under assault. This is what God does. But it's important to know what love means. Love has 16 qualities according to this passage. Love is patient, is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not arrogant, it doesn't behave itself unseemly or rudely. It, it doesn't seek for itself. It's not something that gets easily provoked. It doesn't think evil. It doesn't rejoice in evil, but rejoices in the truth, in righteousness. It bears all things, believes all things, love hopes all things, endures all things. Finally, it says, love never fails. You know what the word fails means? fail means? It means it never stumbles. It'll never die. It'll never fall. What kind of love is this? Can you show me a human being on the face of the earth who has this kind of love? It's impossible unless that person knows the living God and has surrendered to the living God. But when we see that, we get inspired. And we know, Lord, this is possible. You expect this from me, but I need your help, Lord. Beloved, as we hear these vows, I want you, even if you're single, whether you're child, man, or woman, consider your covenant with God. Consider all the things God has done for you sacrificially. Right from the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you know how many times we could have died? And you know what the world says? Oh, that was pure luck. There's something uncanny about escaping from death by inches. By moments, especially when you see other people die and you escaped. 
There's something innate within a human being, regardless of whether they choose to believe in God or not. They have a moment that I am being watched and being protected by some other force outside of me because I could not save myself. That's God putting it within us. Whether a person is an atheist, agnostic, whatever, it's built in. You know why? Because we came from God. He made us in His image. But He gives us the ability to choose to love, just like in a marriage. Anyone who's forced into a marriage is not entering in with love. But, even in marriages, in certain cultures, certain times gone by, when people prearrange these things, and the person doesn't even know the other person, and they just begin to know who they are when they say the vows, and they have to learn to adjust in all these things. They don't have any experience at all with the other person's personality and their likes and dislikes and their habits and attitudes. Even in such a case when they're under this oppression of culture, God is able to transform it into something beautiful. Because there are people who have been led to say, you're going to get married to this person, I say so, and that's it. They can't. They don't have a say. In some cases, they can be killed if they refuse. It's really true. God sees that. But you know what? If that person is sincere and they are honest, they are diligent, they, you know what? Now this is my husband. This is my wife now. Even people who don't know God, you know what they do? They make a decision. I will honor this person. Because now they belong to me, I belong to them, or him, her. Something beautiful comes up. So that when the other person who the spouse didn't know before they tie the knot, gets into some accident, or some situation, where they cannot perform anymore, quote-unquote, they can't deliver on love, uh, they can't share experiences, and now the other spouse becomes a caretaker. The whole life revolves around this person's Relief. You know what? Even people who don't know God, when they resist the temptation of so-called friends and even family in the world, they say, just leave that person. You, you can't live life like that. In other words, they can't do anything for you. They can't do anything for you. There are people who decide, I'm not listening to that. No, this is my spouse. I'm going to stay with them till they die. I'm going to be there to become a blessing. I'm going to be there for them. You know what that is? Because everyone's made in the image of God, even though they don't know God personally, that part of it gets exercised, and they're able to be there for the person. How much more for a believer? We understand that I have committed myself to this person. And we need to do that with God first. We need to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No, none go with me. I still will follow. 
No turning back. No turning back. Yep, people can do that in marriage. Even if nobody's for this marriage, everybody says, you know what, it's not working out. You have the money, you have the youth, or what's left of your youth, you have the ability to make a life for yourself, a new life, find someone new. There's something inside that this is wrong. This is wrong. And it can stand up against all of that avalanche of giants and say, no, I'm going to stay with Even if you desert me, all you people, and you call me whatever you want to call me, you don't want to know me, I'm staying with my spouse. That is love. Now, that love will get strengthened through Jesus Christ when we know him intimately. You know what? To the point where now I'm concerned about the person's eternity. And so I will do everything I need to to make sure they keep hearing God's word. They keep getting encouraged to do what? Be faithful to God. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to God. How? Which God? And how do I show my faithfulness to God? Do I make garlands out of flowers? Do I go and build a church somewhere? Uh, how do I please God? How do I show my devotion? Do I get up early in the morning and go through ritual baths? Do I have to go to a mountain somewhere and meditate for 10 years? What do I have to do? Jesus says it very simply. They that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit. He's a spirit. That means the human being has something inside, which is a spirit, to come to God and say, Lord, I love you from my heart, and I choose to follow you, Lord. Lord, why did you make me? With what purpose did you create me? And what is the covenant you're offering me, Lord? I want in on that covenant. I want to know the purpose. You know how many people who've made it big? Billionaires. Famous people. I have heard them. At the height of their success, they say, I don't even know who I am. I don't know who to trust. I have millions and billions, but I'm afraid of the future. I can't show it, but I really am. I don't know who my real friends are, who wants me for my money, or what I can do for them, and who will stay with me when I get through a crisis, when I get into a crisis. So, there's a cynicism. And you know what? A lot of people say, well, that's life. That's life. You really can't trust anybody. So you make do with what you have and pretend like you trust them, as long as you get what you want. There's a better way. God says you can trust me without any reservation because I'm faithful and true. With the trust that you have in me because my love is put in you, you can learn to trust other people. You can learn to be patient with them, give them the benefit of the doubt, have a longer rope instead of cutting it short and saying, that's it, you blew it. You tried my patience and I'm done with you. Imagine if God did that with us. God loves us and we have to say, Lord, I'm not going to be like that. Lord, you've loved me when I was not lovely, Lord. Oh, God, I want your love to work in me, to be kind to my brother, my sister, my parents, my children. And sometimes that's easier to do. What about my fellow spiritual family? What about the strangers? What about the colleagues on the job? Doesn't love mean that we're not wise and we don't have to watch for traps? No, love is smart. 
love is going to protect, but love is also going to prevent casualties. Love is not going to go without wisdom. That's why love and truth go together. So it's a perfect package. What would I do for a perfect package like that? Where can I get a vacation package that is so perfect, just the right price, all the sights I need to see, all the food I need, and then they send me off on my way, very satisfied. So what do I do? I begin to check all the listings and compare and consult friends and experts. But it's fleeting like that. So you go to vacation, you eat, now you have to do it again. But when you come to God, you say, Lord, this is where the buck stops. I am taking responsibility to acknowledge you, Lord, for me, myself. You are real. Because you, of you, I'm alive. I may not know you, Lord, but I need to know you. Jesus, if this is love, oh, I want this love. Come into my heart, Lord. And Lord, may this love be seen in my marriage. May this love be seen in my children. May we become like the city set on a hill, which will bring light to all the region. May our marriages, our relationships, our children, our families, be like the lamps that are set on a lampstand and not underneath the table. So the light can spread everywhere. The light of God's love. This is the covenant. This is love. It is so profound. Again, until we really desperately need somebody's attention and care, very often we take things for granted. And I'm going to just expect that I'm going to have all this care all the time because I'm entitled. We need to get that entitlement mentality out. And say, Lord, such a mercy I live. By a mercy I live and move and have my being. Lord, I thank you for the covenant you're offering me right from the cross. God is not sitting behind an executive desk somewhere on a high back executive chair, tapping his fingers on the table and saying, so you want to make a deal with me? Well, these are all the stipulations. I'm going to own you. And you're not going to have a free will anymore. And I will choose to oppress you when I want. That's not God. God says, come into my arms. There's no barrier. There's no large table. And this arrogance, oh, the love of God. I thank God that I know what real love is. Aren't you glad? You know what real love is since you came to Christ? You know what true love is? And with that love, you are being changed day by day as you choose to submit to the living God. Blessed be the rock. Hallelujah. Praise be to the living God. Every word that you've heard is not coming from a script. It's not coming from a rehearsed sermon. It's coming from my life. Going through tremendous amounts of doubts and discouragement and oppression from Satan, from the devil. Going through difficult times 
when people failed me, when I failed myself. But God never failed me. When I knew God's love can cover all of my mistakes and every failure, things that people know and people don't know, things that I know and even things I don't know. God sees every failure and mistake. And we cannot get into heaven with sin. And so what did God do? Instead of being the judge that says, I'm sentencing you, condemning you, because look, here are the pictures and the videos of everything you did wrong in your life. You can't come in. The judge stepped down from the bench and went to the cross and died and gave his life so that we can get to heaven. That is the love of God. That's the love of God that can pardon you today. I want to speak to two groups of people today. Those who think they know God maybe, or don't, they don't. And those who know God, but they're not walking with God. You're not walking with God. You're certainly not taking the commandments of God as a priority. It's more of a pick and choose. It's more of a God, I want you to be here now, but not when I watch that show. Lord, when I'm with my family doing things that are questionable, Lord, it's not a holy thing, Lord. You'll forgive me, Lord. Can you stay outside and I'll come back to you? Oh, those are the things that destroy us. But when we come to God sincerely and say, Lord, I want you in my life to stay. Come in to me. Come in to stay. Come into my heart forever. A children's song. Just to say, Jesus, come in. So the Lord doesn't expect us to go to a mountain and climb it. He doesn't expect us to go and, and build temples for Him or make huge sacrifices. He says, come as you are. Because Jesus Christ saves everyone. Because John 3.16 says, For God loved this world so much with all of its problems, all of its rebellion, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. You cannot put a price on eternal life. God says, I want to give it to you as a gift. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe, Lord. And I want you in my heart, Lord. I want to become your child today, Lord. And you know what? For those who know Christ, but you are not walking according to the love that you just heard about. You know it. God says, don't worry. He didn't say, it's okay. But he says, don't worry. If you come to me, I can put that divine love in your heart. And I will seal the covenant with you. On this Sunday, you came into the house of God to seek His face and to worship Him. God says, you're not going to leave this place without an added blessing, a new blessing, to walk in this agape love. It is so vital and so critical. We need to understand God is speaking right through His Word. 
And we need to determine, Lord, I'm going to live this life. I'm going to be a genuine Christian. To genuinely care about other people. And to give of myself and whatever I have so they can be comfortable, relieved and blessed. Lord, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm going to live for you and for other people. You know how freeing that is? It doesn't seem to make sense. How can you give and gain at the same time? Some of the rich people, philanthropists, they may say, well, the way we gain it is through the tax break. Or when I give, they're going to take my picture and put it in the papers. And so that's going to give me an added network, you see. So they have their ways to handle their acts of love. But the economy that is divine from heaven, this is how it works. Jesus says, give and it shall be given back to you. Good amount. Press down, shaken together for more, and then running over. God has made that promise. Jesus made that promise. When you give of yourself in real love before God, God promises He will give back to you much more than you ever gave. How many have experienced that? I have experienced that. I couldn't understand it. Growing up in the church, I thought, you know what? I like the stuff about God, you know, saving me, healing me, and giving me blessings, but I'm reluctant to give because I think about losing. I think about, you know, there's no faith. There's no relationship, really, that was by faith. But when we trust the living God, we begin to see, my, 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 from an unexpected source, look what God did. And you start seeing it very frequently because you're living by faith. I'm not saying not working. You're working, doing what you have to do. But this is a supernatural blessing. You know, your job couldn't do this for you. Your performance didn't do this for you. It came directly from God. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son, He told Jesus, go. And you become the satisfaction for the sins of the people. Not only for us, the Bible says, but for the whole world. What a liberating message. God says every person on the planet, no matter what they believe in, even those who have clenched their fist against God, can choose to put that fist down and say, I'm sorry, Lord, and God will come near that person and forgive them. Anyone and everyone can become a child of God and have this tremendous blessing in your lives.